you turn your Bibles, please, first of all, to Exodus chapter 20. Because Paul has been, Pastor Paul has been talking about the verses that we used at the start of the year. Uh, but the first one uh, was left out on Thursday. And so it's Exodus 2020. And why was it 2020? Because this is the year 2020. And he gave us some verses that would establish our 2020 vision. And I'm not talking about your eyesight. I'm talking about wisdom and revelation knowledge, the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Because if you ever need enlightenment, it's right now to be illuminated by the word of God. And so in Exodus 2020, we also used uh, Chronicles 2020, believe God be established, believe his prophets and prosper. And also John 2020 talks about, you know, when you, when you get into the right place with God, he'll reveal himself. He revealed himself to his disciples in John 2020. And, and, uh, and, uh, and his, the word says that he desires to manifest himself, not only to you, but through you. That's powerful. But anyway, in Exodus 2020, it says this, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, that his fear may be for your faces, that you sin not. So he, first of all, he's telling you to fear not, and then he's telling you to be afraid. And like I pointed out in the past, in the Hebrew language, there's only 8,000 words. In the English language, there's 100,000 words. And so when you find the Hebrew word, you need to find the root meaning of it. Like when we get to Genesis chapter 31, you're going to find out that the word Laban's glory was the first time that the word glory was used. And in the Hebrew language, it has the law of first reference. And so when you read the first time you can find the root of that will go through every time you read the word glory, every time you read the word fear, yare. So, so it says, first of all, he says, don't be afraid. But then he says that his fear may be before your face. And really what he's saying here is don't be afraid, but be in awe of him and be concerned that you get out of his presence. Like to be concerned that you don't break fellowship with him. That's why he would say things like, if you love me, keep my commandments. What he's saying is, when you love me, you're going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And those are the two great commandments. And he said, and those two commandments hang all of the law and all the propheticus or all the law and all the prophets. So loving God and loving yourself and loving your neighbor is is. Is, is all the Ten Commandments all rolled up into one deal, right? It's all about loving. It's all about loving. Loving in a time like this. Loving when we don't understand. We, we, we have different points of view. And trying to understand the other person's point of view. Instead of, you know, standing in our own and thinking, well, I've got it all figured out. No, we don't. There are people hurting out there. And what we really need to do is be loving one another. So anyway, so he says that my fear may be before your face. You know, but see, what I've learned is such reverence for him causes me to desire to do his will. Like when I'm really in awe of him, I just want, I respect him, I honor him, and I just want to do what's right. But also know that you cannot have a love relationship with somebody that you're afraid of. So you can't be afraid of God or you'll never embrace the love of God. And he said in 1 John 4, 18, I think Pastor Paul brought out on Thursday night, there is no fear in love. Mature love casts out fear. Fear hath torment, but you become complete. You, you, you become complete when you just say, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to try and figure anything out. I, I read in Romans 8, 29, 30, and 31 that I've been predestined that you slipped me into, you already had a destiny for me in mind when you put me into the earth. Just like he said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1 and 12. He said, Jer or 1 4, I think it is. Jeremiah, I knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. Before you ever came to earth, you were in heaven with him. And he dispatched you, he deployed you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And if you're not having provision, then you haven't discovered your purpose. And if you're feeling lonely, it's not a lack of friends, it's a lack of purpose. You haven't found out what you're here for, or else you've found out what you're here for and ignored it, failed to do it. And so you, you're not content. Why? Because you haven't pursued 
your purpose. He said, Jeremiah, I pulled you out on purpose. Jeremiah said, I'm just a, no, no. He's saying, Jeremiah, I know you're a kid, but I called you for such a time as this. I've destined you. And this is what Romans 8 says. He said, I predetermined. That's why abortion is so hellish. 1.3 million in America last year. Aborted visions. Dispatched by God and aborted. Dispatched by God and aborted. That's why it's Satan's most wicked tool to, to, destroy, to destroy life. He can't get to God anymore. He was thrown out. But, you, but, but that's why he harasses you. That, and if you're moving toward your purpose, you could be struggling. You could be facing things. Why are these things always happening to me? Because you've discovered your purpose, the plan that God has for your life. Perhaps that could be it. And if you're pursuing your purpose, everything that you need will be supplied. It's already there in the spirit realm. That's got nothing to do with this, does it? Well, but again, you can't. Let's go to Genesis chapter 31. I'm getting sidetracked on another message altogether. But you need to know that God predetermined for you to be here today. God pre has a plan for your life. I don't care how old you are. If you're 80 years old, Moses was. Right? If you were thrown in jail, Joseph was. It's not about your, what you've been through. It's about wh what you're going to. And you can pull into the purpose that he has for you today. Well, I don't know what it is. Well, I guarantee if you ask him, he'll show you. Lots of times it's the thing that you're passionate about. No, and lots of times people lack provision because they lack their purpose. And other times people come looking for a paycheck, but they've never ever told anybody about Jesus. <laughs> like, you know, we have, a, we have a responsibility also. Yeah. Anyway, God's going to help you. Over in Genesis here, chapter 31. Amen. Where are you, Genesis 31? Yes. Okay. Again, talking about global glory. In Habakkuk 2 and verse 14, he said that his glory or the knowledge, and this is not nuance, this is not, this is revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth just like the waters cover the sea. Just like Noah's flood flooded everything out in destruction. And, all, you know, this flood, this flood, I remember, again, the St. John River. I was watching it coming down from Fredericton one year. And it flood, when, it, when it gets full of water, it goes wherever it wants to. Like you can put sandbags up, you can try to stop it. But if it's coming in your house, you can't stop it. And when he's talking about this river, that, you know, read about it in Ezekiel 47, the river of the anointing coming out from under the throne of God, up to the ankles, up to the knees, up to the waist, and finally, just wherever the river goes. And then he said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. So... So things are getting cranked up, and you, and you have a part to play. Elijah prayed that it would rain, and it rained. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and, and he, the Bible says that he's a man of like passions like us. He wasn't some super-duper, I'm Elijah the prophet. It says that he was a man or a womb man just like you and I. And when you get serious about a move of the Spirit of God, you can pray it in. You can pray it in. Yeah. You're not just a half hour or an hour on a Saturday morning. When we start coming in here and hitting the knees on a Friday night and getting up Saturday morning, that's a whole different deal. That's a hunger and a passion for the things of God that, that's, that's welling up on the inside of you because of his glory. So, yeah, so, so chapter 31, again, the law of first reference talking about the glory of God. And when he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all of our father's everything that belonged to our father, and he's gotten all the glory. And last week I told you the story, how J Jacob had come over there and worked for him for 20 years and had his wages changed 10 times. Deduction, deduction, deduction. He didn't come getting a raise. He come getting, and so, but while he was there, the anointing on his life, because he had the double portion anointing, Laban was just cleaning up, man. He was get, you know, he became a very wealthy man. But the day came, the day came when there was a, fi a financial transfer. Just like in Egypt, 400 years they were there living as slaves, man. Slavery. And the day came and God said, 
Go and see the Egyptians. They owe you 400 years of back wages. And we're moving out of here now. We're moving into the promises land, exceeding great and precious promises that you can partake of the divine nature and escape the corruptions in the world through lust. Even the book of Exodus, Ek is where you get exit, and Hudos is the road out. So when you read that book, it's a type and a shadow of what we're living in right now, too. We're on the road out, out of darkness into the glorious light, taking the world out of darkness. I'm Rodney Howard Brown. I didn't hear the sermon, but I saw the title this morning. A wave of glory is about to hit the nation. I believe that with all my heart. Satan tried his best to stop the move of the Spirit of God. That's what all that's about. Bring division. Bring confusion. United we stand. The anointing is being poured out. Amen. Okay. So it says that he took everything. He's, he's gotten the glory. And the word is kabod. Remember the, the kid that was named Ichabod? The glory has departed. That's not a good name to name your child. Or kabod or kabod. And it literally means heavy or weighty but it means the very essence of his being, all that he is, his full weight. So Laban, on the negative side of things, lost everything. But, but think about it. Jacob got the glory. 20 years he was there. 20 years his wages were changed over and over again, over and over again. The Bible says that he slept out in the woods with the sheep and and when one died, he had to pay for it. And, and, and remember, he had to work for his, for his wives and all of that kind of stuff. But the day, payday came. And God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Payday is coming to the church. Payday is coming to the faithful. Hallelujah. I don't know how long it's been for some people. But, you know, like, like uh, come on, Abraham, it took him 30 years to get it figured out. And he's the father of faith. <laughs> he's the father of all this. And it took him a while. But, he, but the thing is, he didn't quit and he didn't cave in. And neither do we. So then we looked over, we looked at Genesis 45. I'm not going to go through everything, but I'm just going to look at a couple of verses here. And this is Joseph. Think about him, thrown in a well by his brothers. He didn't have any friends. He had nobody that liked him. They saw him coming, and here they said, here comes that stinking dreamer. Here he comes. And so he's walking over, checking on the guys. Hey, bro. Hey, brothers. They grab him and throw him down an empty well. If it hadn't been full, they'd have thrown him down it anyway. Thank God it was empty. And then they're thinking, well, how are we going to, which way are we going to kill him? They're trying to figure out a way to kill him. And then they see the, the children of Issachar, or Ishmael rather, heading off to Egypt. And they say, hey, you know what? We can make some, why kill him when we can make some money off him? That's the way they look at you right now as a Christian. <laughs> Don't kill him, we can make some money off him somehow. Anyway, they sold him into slavery. You know the story. And he ends up at Potiphar's house and all of that. And then he ends up in jail. And so maybe your walk with God hasn't been all that cheerful. Maybe you didn't think it could get worse and it kept getting worse. Have anybody ever, am I talking to Okay, so you've experienced some of that. But then one day, just like in Acts chapter 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly he's sitting in the jail cell. He's been there for two years. Two years, maybe making another miracle on the wall, you know. And then suddenly, the Pharaoh's men came in and said, the Pharaoh wants to see you now. And he's so calm, and he's so cool, he's saying, no, I'm not, I'm not ready. I need a shower, I need a shave, and I need to change the clothes. You do that, and I'll go. No, no, just like Paul the Apostle, when they said, you're free to go, he said, no, no, they threw me in here. Tell them they need to come and let me out. You know, there's a place of confidence. Peter in Acts chapter 12, the Bible says that he was sound asleep. They were going to kill him in the morning. He was locked between four quadrants of soldiers chained to the wall. And the Bible says that the angel smote him. Read it in the Greek, smote him to wake him up. How many of you would see you need to learn how to sleep when trouble's going on? See, when you really believe in God, 
This is, this is laboring to enter into his rest. Larry Ronell don't never sleep, but I'm talking about most of the general population here. Had to kick him in the side to wake him up. And then he's out on the street before he, before he realizes it wasn't a dream. He was dreaming. He thought he was dreaming. Hallelujah. So this, so this, is, this is what believing God is. It's, it, it's beyond hope and it's faith. And really, you know, you want to take, what is faith? It's the just shall live by the word. Trust in the word with all of your heart. Lean not on your own way of doing things. In all of your ways, acknowledge the word and the word will direct your steps. Anytime you read the word faith, you can substitute it for the word because that's where the faith came from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. So when I'm reading my Bible, faith is not some mystery. Faith is I'm standing on the word and not what I can see. I'm supposed to be walking by the word and not by sight, right? Many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. I can say it this way, many as are led by the word, because by the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So as many as are led by the word of God, they are the sons of God, right? No, it's like this. He, he has prepared, I'm getting off this but he has prepared such a place for you and I. Adam sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And so there had to be a veil put up and he had to be put. We, like Ashton just sang about it this morning. But the veil came down. Well, the veil was there for all that time. The veil went up to keep Adam and Eve from getting back into the Garden of Eden because if they had eaten from the tree of life, they would have live, been living in that fallen nature for eternity. No rescue, no way out. So God put a veil there. He also put the law there. Like he put things in place so that he could have fellowship with us, but keep us from the tree of life until the captain, Hebrews 2 and verse 10, the captain of our salvation, who was made perfect through suffering, came to restore what? Many sons back to Back to what? Back to glory was this. Glory was this. Heaven and earth touched each other. And you could go from one place. His body, read Genesis 2, 7. His body was made out of the earth, but, but God breathed in him the breath of life. So he was earthly and he was heavenly at the same time. And when you got born, born again, that's what happened. So that you can really, Ephesians 2, 6 says that you can be seated in heaven, now think about it. seated is a place where you put your weight, your glory. You're seated in a heavenly place in Christ. In other words, he said, you can step over here and sit down with me, or you can and live above the fray, or you can get caught up in everything that's going on and get all stressed out by the news and by Facebook and all of those other things, and 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 realizing that so many points of view are coming together, and a lot of it is lies and confusion. A lot of it is deception because the devil wants to stop you from finding out who you are. When you find out who you are, you can, you can literally, you can live over. He said, if, if, you, if you're in the spirit, learn how to walk in the spirit. There's a place that you and I can walk where nothing in this world touches us. It doesn't bother us at all. Why? Because our focus is different. Why? We not look, look not at the things that are seen, for they're temporal, but we look at the things that are unseen. What's that? We're looking in the Word of God and finding out our destiny, our destination. Everything is in there. So he said, you may be troubled on every side. In the world, you know, in me you'll have peace. In the world you have peace. In the world there'll be tribulation there. But you can be of good cheer even in the middle of it all. But if you start getting on it, Getting in it and getting angry for some of the things that are taking place and really not understanding the whole picture. Anyway, most of us don't have a clear picture of what's going on. Anyway, so back to Joseph. Joseph came out of that jail. And again, you know, you, I think somebody titled a, a message from the pit to the palace. And, and really it was, it was, but the thing that you need to notice is it was just like it was, it was an overnight thing. But yeah, it took him 13 years to get there. So you'd have called him an overnight success, but he would not have. Because we read Psalm 105, and the Bible says that while he, while, while he waited for his promise to come, in, he was in chains and fetters of iron. 
And he said, until the word from the Lord came, the, until his word from the Lord came, the word tried him. So you're not trying faith. Faith is trying you. <laughs> you're the one that's on trial. <laughs> Your faith is on trial. <laughs> How are you going to respond this time? Because if you respond wrong, no problem. You're just going to go around the mountain again. They did it for 40 years. We look at them and laugh and think how stupid they are, and then we do the same thing. <laughs> I've been here before. I've been here before. I've been here before. That's why you're, the reason why you're there again is because you didn't pass the test last time. God, why is this happening to me? Pass the test and enter his rest. Get past it. Don't get stuck in it. Amen. So, so here's Joseph. Now, this is, this is the church now. This is our destiny right here in verse 13. And you shall tell my father of all the glory in Egypt and all that you have seen, and you shall haste and bring him down here. In other words, you saw how I am now the second in command of all of Egypt and all the armies that are mine and all of the, all of the facilities, the beautiful things, God has bestowed all of that on me because the wealth of the wicked has been laid up in store for the just. Because the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God. Because we'll rise and shine for our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen up on us. And in the world there's a darkness and a gross darkness upon the people, but God's glory shall be seen upon you. Your heart will reverence and be in lives of kings and influential people will come to the brightness of your rising. See, the reason why it's here in Genesis, it's the seed of what's to come next. Kings and influential people will come to the brightness of your rising. See, you're so focused on that earthen vessel that you forget you get, that you have a treasure. The treasure in the earthen vessel, what is that? Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. He's not up there on cloud 13 somewhere. He's behind the buttons of your shirt. He made a beachhead in there when you got born again. And now he's saying, let me out. Let me out. I'll show you signs and wonders and miracles. I'll give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues. The interpretation of tongues are all resident on the inside of you to heal and deliver and set nations free. That's why Paul said, why would you live like mere men when you've got all this? Let's go to Exodus chapter 40. Now, of course, Moses, this story in Exodus 40 is when Moses built the first tabernacle in the wilderness. And when the tabernacle was raised up and it was finished, something happened. Let's read what happened. Verse 34. Verse 33. Exodus 40, 33. And he reared up the court around about the tabernacle of the altar and set the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. When the work was finished, look at this. Then the cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Well, there's a couple of truths here. The truth is when the glory comes, a man's kind of put out of the way. But the other thing is the law can't take you into that presence anyway, into that thick presence of God. And so I know Moses experienced some, some awesome things in the presence of God in that cloud. But I think in this particular verse, it's letting you know that there's something greater coming. Something greater is going to take place. And so when the cloud was taken up from over the tab tabernacle, the children of Israel went forward in all of their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud, See, but this is being led by the Spirit of God. They're being led by the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God moved, they moved. And when the Spirit of God didn't move, they didn't try to, they didn't try to get something going. Have you ever had the idea, let's get something going? I mean, over our 28 years of pastoring, We'd have something spectacular happen one week and try to regenerate it again the next week, but it doesn't work. It might have been a particular song that God moved on. Oh, we got to do that again. And you do it the next time. Because he was in it. 
when he's in it, not in it, you stick with it, right? So, and of course, over in Numbers chapter 14, uh, maybe we should just stop by there so you can see it. Numbers 14, I mean, they were, they, God was trying to get them into the glorious land, trying to get them into that exceeding great and precious promised land. And uh, they, through fear, stayed away. Fear is so powerful. That's why Gideon, when he had that army, that's why he, had, he started with 32,000. The first one that God said to send home is he said, send home the fearful. Why? Because he hates them? No, but because he knows that fear is contagious. Just like faith is contagious. Don't you love it when you get around people of faith? And they're not trash talking. They're talking the word of God. And in the middle of a pandemic or whatever's going on, they still got the word. Still believe in God for global glory. He said it. God will have his way and God will have his day. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God. And that stone cut without hands Daniel talked about, that virgin birth, that stone cut without hands, will become a great mountain and fill the whole earth. The earth will be filled with the glory of God, not with Satan's manifestations, not with death and destruction and all of that. He's not into death and destruction. Neither are we. Okay, so here we are in uh, Numbers 14. Moses prayed for them. And because Moses prayed, God answered prayer. And this is what he said in verse uh, 30, 20 rather. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. That's so powerful. That one man's heartfelt prayer saved a bunch of people. That gives me hope when I'm praying that I can save my city, save my province, save my nation. He shall have dominion from sea to sea, and rivers of the anointing will flow into all the earth. That's God's promise for Canada. That's written on the parliament buildings. Okay, next verse. But as true, listen to this. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with violence. All of the earth shall be filled with trials and tribulations. No. All of the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. And when that St. John River popped over its banks, I watched it on the news. That water went into people's houses. They had them banked up. They just couldn't keep that water out. And, when, and, and I know that God is going to do this same thing. Read Joel chapter 2 as well. He said, I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh, and whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He's going to sweep through your neighborhoods. He's going to sweep through people that you never, ever thought would ever give their hearts to the Lord. They're blinded. We're looking and judging people out there that are blinded by the spirit of darkness. The Bible says that Satan has blinded their eyes. Well, the blinders are going to come off. It's a, it's, I know it's a terrible thing to watch and to live through and try to discern, but God has got a bigger plan than anything the devil ever dreamed up. So he said, as truly as I live, the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Because when the first tabernacle was finished, the glory came. Now when the, the temple, David wanted to build the temple, but Solomon built the temple. And when the temple was finished, we've got some really cool things that happened and some miraculous things too. And I think we'll just, we'll look at, we'll look at chapter five and verse one. It says, thus all the work Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. Okay. So this is our, so there's something about when things are finished. That's something that something new is about to take place. And so, you, you know, we watched here as the church in, in since March looked like it was finished. But there's a shaking going on. I hope I don't spill the water. I already did. Look at that. It's going all over. Water goes wherever it wants to. When it, it'll flow wherever you let it. See that? Okay. Let's read this. Verse, verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests. Now, who would that be? You are a royal, what? A royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Priests and kings unto your God. Revelation 1.5 says. 
So when the priests came out of the holy place, all the priests were present. They were all present. In other words, something was finished and they were sanctified and did not walk in courses like they did for the rest of the year. Like, I do, do I need to explain that just for a minute? They, they used to, like, remember it says that Zechariah came down when it was in the, from the course of Abiyah. So he would come down and work in, in the temple in Jerusalem for a couple of weeks in the spring and a couple of weeks in the fall. And there was 24 courses that David had set up so the groups of priests would be there all the time. But now in this particular case, because the thing is finished, they all showed up. They did not wait by course. There was no division. In other words, no division. See, you have a purpose in this end time move as the spirit of God. And I'm so sure of it because you were born again into it. And you might look again, you cannot look at the, the, the clay pot, the earthen vessel. You've got to look at the glory and realize that he's got a plan for the glory that he deposited in your life that it will manifest. And so there was no division. You have a purpose, but so many times in the church, people have been looking for a position or a title. It's not about a position and it's not about a title. It's about finding your place. I'm not, and, and you really don't need to be looking for acceptance either. I know that we all want to be liked and accepted, but my Bible says in Ephesians 1 to verse 6 that I've been accepted in the Beloved. So if I don't get accepted everywhere that I go, and lots of times you get rejected for your stand in Christ, right? And that's okay, because I'm not looking for acceptance. I'm looking to find my, my place, because where I find my place, when I find my purpose, I find my provision, everything that I need is there. As long as I'm going after my purpose, everything that I'll ever need is already there. So if I'm struggling in an area, I just need to get back and say, okay, what's my purpose? God didn't create, you know, God created me on purpose. I like to use an electric guitar as an example, because in an electric guitar, I can go paddle a canoe down the Muscadabra River. I can, as long as it's not plugged in, of course. But you could paddle a canoe and you could get where you're going. But it's so much better when it's used for what it was created for. And so maybe you're an electric guitar paddling a canoe down a river when you really got something else that God had planned for you all together. And then the first thing that you'll start making is excuses. But in the beginning, God never created excuses. Man did that. Excusing my, my lack of, um, uh, possess the purpose, pursue my purpose, find out what it is every day. Why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? when I find my purpose, I can pursue it every day. My greatest purpose is to pursue him. <laughs> Lover of my soul. But anyway, it says that they, there was no division. There was no, they were all there together. And also the Levites and the singers and all of them of Asaph and Haman and Judathan were the sons and their brethren. They brought white linen and they had cymbals and psalteries and harps and Drums and off and 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 I think there may have been a violin there. Can you see a violin there? I see a violin. Where did you go? Yeah, yeah, I see a violin. Definitely a violin. Yeah, right there. Hallelujah! It's right there. And there, I see guitars with people that write songs and need to sing them again in church. I see that, but because there's a supply of the spirit that's missing. There's a piece. Every one of us is a piece that completes the whole picture. And that's why we need to get everybody. I know that it's going to take work, but let's read what they did here. If we read what they did here, we can see that, that, that it's, you know, we get a saxophone sitting right there, not even playing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, no, I know we're walking through and working through some things right now. I appreciate that. But the point is we're going through. The point is we're not camping out here. This is not, this is not the eternal plan of God. 
So it says here, they were arrayed in white linen. Well, so are you. You're a royal priesthood. You cannot see it, but the devil can see it. And, and, the, and the, they stood at the east end of the altar. Look at them. There was 120 priests. There was 120 in the upper room. 120 times, uh, times, five is what, times 50 is what? 6,000, is that right? 50 times 50, so 50 jubilee, uh, jubilee years, 50 times 120. Does that work out to 6,000 years? Yeah. So could this also be a pattern for the last days? I think so. But, but now here's the thing. It, there's 120 priests. And I'm thinking, how long does it take? I'm not a musician at all. Well, a little bit, but not very much. How does it take? How long does it take to get 120 people playing the same note? Huh? But they did it. It had to be a supernatural thing. It says there was 120 of them sounding their trumpets. Can you imagine if they had not rehearsed this, what it might sound like? And it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were one. All the people in sync. Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It releases the anointing of God. That's Psalm 133. So everybody has a place and everybody has a position. And, and, and we need to work on getting in harmony and melody and rhythm and getting together. You, you need the person sitting next to you. And they need you. We have a supply of the Spirit that we all have. So it says not only were they one, but they had one sound. And I wrote this in my margin because I believe this to be true. Revival has its own unique sound. Anyone that I ever looked back and experienced, I, I, I don't mean personally experienced, but I mean studied out, had a, had a particular music that came out of that because it was downloaded from heaven through people. I like that. One, they were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanksgiving to the Lord. When they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals, oh, look at that. Elaine's violin. They praised the Lord, saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests Notice it doesn't say they could, it says they could not stand to minister for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. No, but this is God's will for us. That his presence is so heavy and so weighty, it knocks you to your knees and you're glad to lay on the carpet. I remember one time I was out on the carpet for over an hour. My face had the imprint of the carpet when I went home. I was, I mean, it was just, it was, it was an awesome, heavy, weighty, experiencing God. I don't know what he was doing, but I figured it was some kind of surgery. He hit me under heavy anesthetic. I knew he was doing a work in my life, you know. But, and so what they were saying here is interesting side note too. They were saying, Ki tov, ki leolam hasto. They were saying, praise the Lord for his goodness, mercy endures forever. And if you'll ever watch Kenneth Hagin, when he really had some powerful Holy Ghost meetings, he would get the people to do that. He would say, Praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Then he'd say, say it again, say it again, say it again, because he got that from this. And what it says in the Hebrew is, hallelujah, ki tov, ki leolam, ha, hasto. In other words, God, you're most good. You are most good. You're not, you, you are most good, and your mercy endures for how long? Forever. You can't exhaust the mercy of God, aren't you, Lord? Amen. Yeah. So, you know, my question is, how long would it take to get in sync? It's a heart choice. It's not a musical choice. It's a heart choice. It's like, I respect who you are, and you respect who I am, and we have gifts differing one from another, but we have found our place. And so I don't envy your place. I just need to do my place. If my place, I'm telling you right now, you could take the garbage out today from the bathroom down the hall and have a Holy Ghost experience. If that was what, you know, because you're, what, what am I doing? 
I remember the first time that I was at Christian View Church, I don't let it call it now, City Church, over in Spryfield, and they asked me to take up the offering, Larry. I was freaking out. I'm thinking, God, you're going to trust me with your money? Right? I get to pick up the money from these people? And you got to understand, I was sin on a stick, and they were perfect as far as I was concerned. No, I just came out of alcohol and drug addiction, and they seemed so, they seemed, <laughs> they seemed so holy and so together. I didn't see any flaws in them, but I saw all the flaws in me. And so just picking, just taking the offering. And then I would begin to watch, and I would see that they would count the offering while the service was going on. And I'm thinking, I'm just a new Christian. I'm thinking, wow, that's so disrespectful. The word of God is being preached, and you're in the back room counting money. It just didn't seem right to me. And it still doesn't. I mean, lots of churches do it across the land, and that's their choice and their business. But I'm thinking, I read Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says, and they pressed to hear the word of God. I'll sacrifice an hour after the service and go count the money. But miss the word of God? Oh, yeah, but it's Pastor Vincent. We heard that preach before. No, it's God speaking through a man, and he's got a word for me today. I might be familiar with the voice. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when Solomon made an end of praying, the fire came down. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the place. The priests couldn't even enter this time because of the glory of the Lord filled the house. Come on. The fire came down, and now the sacrifice is Romans 12:1. Submit my body a living sacrifice. The sacrifice that needs to be consumed now is me. <laughs> God burnout everything that's not of you so that all that's left is the glory and a few ashes from Hooper. <laughs> a few Hooper ashes left behind to prove I was there. <laughs> now let's go to Esther chapter 5. I know it's a strange place to look at the glory, but over in Esther, and that's before the book of Job if you're looking. It's one of those letters you find Ezra and Esther and Nehemiah all jammed up to get together before the book of Job. And we need to go to Esther because there's a story in here about a fella. You may have heard of Haman. The cool story about Haman was, you know, in our day, the Nuremberg trials in 1946, they had, uh, they were going to hang all the Hitler's war criminals. And they arrested now, Haman, 10 of his sons would get hung on gallows. And how the thing that his, so Solomon said this in uh, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, the thing that has been is the thing that will be. There's nothing new under the sun. So in 1946, in the Nuremberg trials, they had 11 guys that were going to be tried and hung for their crimes against humanity. One of them committed suicide in the jail cell. The 10 that got hung, the last one yelled out, Purim, 1946, he realized that what had happened to Haman, Haman was going to destroy the Jews. Hitler was going to destroy the Jews. Same story. Same story. Same story. And so when Hitler couldn't destroy the Jews, his 10 sons, his 10 top leaders were hung by the gallows in Nuremberg in 1946. Now, you th like you think that's a coincidence, do you? Do you think it's a coincidence that the temple was destroyed on the same day, both times? Exactly the same day? God is speaking, letting you know, I got it all. I got it all worked out. I'm not creating these things. Man is doing it. But I know how it turns out because I've already been to the end. And I got you. I got you. You're going to get through all of this. So anyway, so Haman, Haman was... Really, he wanted to kill all the Jews, and he, matter of fact, he even got a law passed to kill them all. And so, he, and he was going to build a build a gallows to kill Mordecai, and and uh, he was so impressed with himself. We need to look in Esther chapter five, in verse eleven.
Now, Haman had just been invited by the king and his wife to a big banquet. He didn't know that Esther was going to have him executed. (laughs) He didn't know the whole plan was going to backfire. Listen, the devil's plans always backfire. And so Haman comes home to tell his wife and his family. Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him, how he advanced him above the princes and the servants of the king. Haman said, moreover, yes, Esther the queen did not let no man come in to the king to banquet, which she had prepared for myself. And tomorrow I'm invited to be with the king. Well, again, it wasn't going to be good for him, but the point of this is, this is what glory is. It was his position. It was his wealth. It was his family. It was everything that he had become, right? So when God talks about his glory, he's talking about that with you. But but let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm almost done here. We're circling again. Ephesians 1. Um, we'll pick it up in verse 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one things that are in Christ, both in heaven and the things that are on earth, in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestined or pre you have a predetermined destiny here according to the purpose of him. So you've been created on purpose and for a purpose. He said, whom works all things after the counsel of his own will, that you should be, look at this, that we should be to the glory, that we should be the, to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted that you heard the word of truth, the gospel or the good news of your salvation, that of whom also after you believed you were sealed with a spirit, the Holy Spirit. You can be so full of the Holy Ghost. You, you, you know, if you're not seeing clearly, keep praying until you do. Pray in tongues until everything comes clear. No, no, you can do that. Sometimes you might pray half an hour, sometimes maybe two hours, but you pray in the Holy Ghost and things will become clear. You pray in the Holy Ghost and you'll build, the Bible says that you'll, you'll, it'll keep you in the love of God and it'll build up your faith. If you're struggling in, in a situation, God already gave you the tools to fix it. You can sit and cry because the thing is broken, or you can pray in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost, the problem will get fixed. But see, we, we cry to him and say, God, please do something. He's saying, I already equipped you. I already gave you everything. I, ever gave, I already gave you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've called you to glory and virtue. I've given you the promise. You know, Paul the Apostle said, I thank my God, I pray with tongues more than you all. Look, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How did he get it? By praying in the Holy Ghost and getting interpretation. God didn't leave him alone. He didn't leave you alone either. But look at this. It says, you've been sealed with the spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance and the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I need to go to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. And I've taught on these verses, but I want to read it to you in the Amplified. Because this is God. And in verse 13, it says that he'll arise. And when you read it in the Hebrew, it's really cool because it seemed like, to the writer, to David, it seemed like God was not paying attention. Have you ever felt like that? Would you just admit it to me if you have? You will arise like somebody woke you from sleep. But my Bible says in Psalm 121 that, you know, I look to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the creator of heaven and earth. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. So we know that he's not asleep. Maybe I am, but he's not. But it says you'll arise and have compassion upon Zion. If you want to know who, who Zion is, it's either, I think it's Hebrews 12 and verse 22. It talks about you're the head, that you're Zion. When you read Zion in the Bible, it's, it's you. 
Is it Hebrews 12.22, Pastor Paul? Would you mind grabbing the microphone and reading it for people? Thank you. There's probably two or three verses there together that really need to be read. Oh, no, you can just, you can read it out of, out of the King James. Yeah. Only because I haven't heard the Amplified and it could be risky. Hebrews 12, 22. Check. But you are coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men and women made perfect. Could you read that one more time? That's so good. Isn't it good? <laughs> but you are coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men and women made perfect. You're made perfect. Matthew chapter 12 calls you the, calls you the, no, it's Matthew chapter 8. No, chapter 12 is the seven kingdom parables, right? Chapter 12. Chapter 13 is, yeah, chapter 13, kingdom parables, calls you the pearl without price. You are a pearl without price. You have got such value to God that when the pearl was formed through all of that irritation and affliction, until it secreted that Holy Ghost anointing and a pearl was formed. And the Bible says that when the pearl became perfect, the man sold all that he had and bought that one pearl and took it up out of the sea of humanity to adorn it on himself. That's who you are. That's who you are. He pulled you out of humanity and hung you around his neck. He said, I've carved you in the palm of my hand. I count the hairs on your head. Anyway, you will arise and have compassion upon Zion, for it is time to be gracious and to show favor to her. Better stop there. I need to go and read my note on favor here in Psalm 102. It's not 12 o'clock yet, so everybody's going to be cool. When we all get together, we're going to go way longer than this, so be happy. I said, how long have you been working on that message? I said, 30 years, I think. Hallelujah. Didn't come overnight, but you're a seeker of truth. Favor. So he says, the appointed time, the designated time for favor, to show her favor. This is what favor means. And I mean, I think we got it in Numbers chapter uh, 6, 24, too, when we read through that. But favor means to bow down and to grant unfair, undeserved partiality, to promote to prominence. That's a good deal, isn't it? So that's God's favor. He said, for it is time to be gracious and to show favor unto her. Yes, the appointed time, the moment designated, has come. For your servants find melancholy and pleasure in the stones of the ruins and feel pity for her dust. In other words, the failure of the church over 2,000 years. Well, I better back that up. Over the last 1,700 or so years, the church has not been what the church should have been because we've gotten over into our intellect and figured too many things out. But he says, so that nation, but here, look at this. He said, I feel, he said, so the nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will recognize your glory. For the Lord has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory and brilliance, and he has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. So this is, this is where we're at right now. And again, we, we don't need to uh, go back to Habakkuk 2.14, that the knowledge of the glory will fill the earth. Revelation, knowledge of the glory. We don't need to go back to Habakkuk chapter 2, where he says, I, I, I'm going to shake the nations. Can you see it happening? And the desire of the nations will come. He said, I'll shake the heavens and the earth. 
But then he says, then he says, I'm going to build the house of my glory. And the glory of Habakkuk 2 and verse 9 says, the glory of this latter house. We just read about the, the, the first tabernacle and the second temple. The glory of this latter house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. That's the Lord of Sabaoth. That's the Lord of armies. And in the middle of it, in verse Habakkuk 2 and verse 8, he lets you know, the gold and the silver are mine. They've been in the hands of the wrong people for thousands of years. Look what they're doing to create. Look, look what they're doing right now to, to create uh, uh, division and, and strife and get all the news media amplifying so many things and getting everybody all stressed out and freaked out. And, and that, that took all, that took money to do that. And God said, I'm going to take the money out of their hands I'm going to take the money out of their hands and I'm going to put it in your hands so that you can promote what is good, so that you can promote what is right, that you can get together brother to brother, shoulder to shoulder, and not break rank. That you can take a united stand. We are the body of Christ, and we refuse to allow these things to continue. We arise and we shine. Our light is coming. The glory of the Lord is risen on us. The world is dark and a gross darkness upon the people, but God's glory shall be seen. God's glory shall be seen. God's glory shall be seen upon us. Hallelujah. Mm, the abundance of the sea, the Gentile nations will be converted unto you, baptizing nations in my name. Can you imagine having a baptismal service with thousands of people lined up? I can imagine it. I have to imagine it. Because if I can see it, I can seize it. I got to see beyond the eyes of my understanding need to be enlightened. I can't look at what's going on right now and see what I need to see. What I need to see is my God is so big and the devil is a defeated foe. Luke, come on, come on, Luke. What does it say in Luke's gospel? Is it 10, 18? I beheld his lightning, Satan fall from heaven. You know how long that rebellion lasted? Lightning. Read Revelation chapter 19. The Bible says that when the, that, that the devil gets defeated by God showing up. The brightness of him. Because what does light do to darkness? Do you ever turn on your lights when you go home at night and the shadow stays in the middle of the room? I don't think so. Rise and shine for your light has come. It's time for your light to shine. That's why we need to make sure we don't get down and we don't get angry. Love never fails. Love casts out fear. Only love will cast out fear. Only love. And my Bible says, Corinthians chapter 13, love never. It seems like such a dumb weapon, but so does bringing a baby into a manger to defeat the devil. Does that make any sense to you? The God of this world gets defeated by a baby in a swaddling cloth. A poopy diaper, I'm assuming. Swaddling cloth, there's nothing holy about a swaddling cloth. Maybe there is. Maybe it was taken from the priest's garments. I don't know. But it still had poop in it. A baby, a defenseless baby, defeated the devil. Surely, greater is he that is in you than he that's in your world, in your circumstances. Turn it around now. Turn it around now. Turn it around. Matter of fact, it's turning right now. While we're sitting here, the things that have been bogging, bugging you, they're turning around. You came here, and you had other things that you need to do, and God's working on them. God's turning them around. He's turning your situation around. He's, he, said, he said, you're the head, not the tail. You're above and never underneath. You are the head and not the tail. The tail doesn't wag the dog. Amen. You are the head. My Bible says, and this is my last verse, is Colossians 2, 9 says that he's, in him dwells the fullness of the God. No, 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 it doesn't say that. What does it say? Verse 9. He is the head of all principality and power. Yeah, Colossians 2, 9 says, he, he, is, he is the head of all principality and power. Verse 10 says, and you are complete. 
in him. When you're in him, you are complete. And if he's the head over all principality and power and you're complete in him, principalities and powers are under you. Keep them down. Amen. Praise God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.